ahead of us as always. Today's daf is daf Pei Aleph, page 81 in Mesechti Yavamas, and we're going to go back to the bottom of Pei Amad Beis, ADB, and pick up on the very bottom line, where the Mishnah had told us, and we're now wrapping up, we're almost by the next Mishnah, we're going to have a new conversation, we'll introduce that when we get there, but the Mishnah had told us that a Saris, a person who is sterile, and let's remind ourselves that a Saris is a general category of any, any uh, man that's not capable of having children. Included in this category are the specific issues of a kros shivcha Daka. Okay, where uh, th- those are specific issues in the category of a saris. The, um, the Mishnah had said that a saris that does chalitza on his yivama, he wasn't capable of having children, so he never entered Torah's chalitza. So lo pasla, she's not forbidden to a Kohen because the chalitza was unnecessary. It wasn't valid. No, nothing happened because she wasn't the Yavama. All he did is a, all, all they did together was some sort of process, which otherwise would have been chalitza, but being that there was no real yibum, she's not considered a chalitza, so she's still okay to the Kohen. However, if he had relations with her, she's going to be possible to a Kohen. You know why? Because now you have a saris that had relations with the widow of his brother, Without a mitzvah, so he's having relations with his sister-in-law, which is Asr Dairaisa. Okay? So she now has the status of a Zaina, and she's going to be forbidden to a Kayan. So here we go. Says the Gemara. Taima, the reason why if he tried to do Yibum, she's puzzled to a Kohen, Deba'alahu, because he specifically was the one who had relations with her. Ha'acher, let's say somebody else, some random guy, had relations with this woman, Lai, she would not be considered a Zaina. Right? Why? Because there's no chi of kares that's happening over here. Says the Gemara Tafa today's daf. Let's say this is an upshlagan Rav Hamnuna who says that if you have a woman who is a Yavama and has relations with somebody, it's mamish considered like an Arias and she should be considered a Zaina even in this case. To which the Gemara answers, not lie. Really, you're right. She would be considered a zayin to somebody else. But since the Mishnah was talking about bididei, where she had relations with this saris, it would passel her up to a kayin, and we we're talking about him specifically. So the second part of the Mishnah also is just it also just you know says sris you know a saris. However, in a chenami, it would apply to everybody. We're just trying to keep the pattern of the Mishnah consistent. Okay. Then the Mishnah said, Also, if you have an islandess that Chalitza uh, was done on her, so you have a case where Reuven was married to an islandess and he dies childless. Shimon, okay, Shimon does Chalitza on the islandess. She is still allowed to marry a Kayin. And they cannot have relations together. And if they do, she's a Zaina. Says the Gemara, Taima de Balua. Same, same diuk, same inference. The reason why she's going to be posted to a Kayin is because one of the Yavamas, one of the Yavam brothers had relations with her. Halay Balua. But let's say uh, they did not have relations with her. She's not posted to a Kayin. Come on, who's not following? Do like Rabbi Huda? It's not following the pin of Rabbi Huda because a Rabbi Huda would hold she's taka posted. Did Rabbi Huda ha'amar? Islandess Zainahi. He holds that an islandess automatically, as we learned earlier, has the status of a of a uh, Zaina, and hence she would automatically be puzzle 
from marrying a Kayan, whether or not she had relations with, uh, with a brother, with, with the brother-in-law or not. Either way, she's going to take on the status and she's going to be forbidden. When the Torah says, Isha Zaina Kahu Azulai, that a Kohen is not allowed to marry a Zaina, that includes an islandess. So anyway, she cannot marry a Kayan, period. End of that Gemara. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Next mission. This next sugya, this next sugya is going to introduce us to a fascinating sugya, a fascinating conversation. It's not going to, the sugya is not going to start right away. It's not going to be, a, the sugya is not going to start right away. But we're going to get into the sugya of bittel, of when things are considered nullified. And that's going to be a big part of Amud Beis. It's going to be a big part of Amud Beis. Until Amud Beis, our Mishnah is going to deal with uh, physical imperfections, either on the male or on the female, okay? The husband or the wife, and discuss um, who is permitted in marriage and who is not. So here we go. Saris Chama. Remember, what's a Saris Chama? A natural Saris. Since birth. Kohen. Who is a Kohen? So you have a Kohen that's been sterile since birth. Shenosa Bas Yisrael. He marries a Bas Yisrael. The halacha is Ma'achila Betruma. She is allowed to eat Truma. Because her husband is a Kohen, he acquired her. The Torah lets us know that the Torah lets us know that any any uh, person who's acquired by a Kohen is allowed to eat truma. Hence, this uh, this woman is permitted to eat truma. Fine. Now, in order for this to be true, there's one more detail, and you have to say that the marriage also was permitted. Because if it would be a forbidden marriage for a regular Sris Chama to marry Israelis. We would, the Rabbana would decree that she cannot, the same way they decree in other places, you know, when there's a forbidden marriage, she can't eat truma, they would have said the same thing here. So it must be, here's the additional layer to keep in mind, a, na- a natural saris since birth is permitted to be Yavai Bikal. He is permitted to marry in and hence it's a good acquisition and it's not forbidden, therefore she could eat truma. Okay. Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Shimon, <clears throat> Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Shimon say, Androginus, okay, an androgynous, somebody who's got signs of both male and female, Kohen, who's a Kohen, Shenosa Bas Yisro, who marries a Bas Yisro. So now we have a bigger problem because we don't even know if this androgynous is a male, is a female, or an in between. Rabbi Rabbi says, Tumto, um, so I'm sorry, Androgynous Kajos Bas Yisro. The halacha is machila betruma. She is permitted to eat truma. Okay. Now, in order for this to be true, you have to say that the halacha of an androgynous is that he's a male, and it's a valid marriage. Rebutai Rebutai says tumtum shenik ravenim What happens if you have a tumtum? Okay. Remember what's a tumtum? A tumtum has their genitals covered over by some sort of piece of skin, some sort of membrane. So we don't know if it's a male or female. So this is interesting. Says, if the tumtum, you're able to have some sort of procedure to open up the skin, and it turns out that this person is a zachar, low yachlites, he should not do chalitza, which is very interesting. What does he mean he shouldn't do chalitza? Rashi says if there's other options, 
Meaning, if let's say Reuven passes away, he leaves behind three brothers, and one brother was a tumtum. So you should the, the tumtum, the original tumtum, shouldn't be the one to do chalitza. We'll see why. Uh, we'll see by we'll see by uh, later. Uh, because he's like a We're going to get into this later, Mitzvah. Andragonus, but what about an Andragonus? Nice who gets married. He's, I'm sorry, Andragonus is allowed to marry Avolai Nisa, but cannot get into a marriage. Very interesting. Ready for this? An Andragonus, somebody who's got the, the signs of male and female, can marry a woman. Now, do we know if it's a male or a female? Or maybe it's a own entity. If we're allowing this Andragonus to marry a woman, what does that mean? Are we considering it to be a male? Well, let's think about it. What if Andragonus would be a female? Now you have a female marrying a woman. Is there any biblical transgression in that? It only says that that a um, um, you know a male homosexuality. Is not is uh, is you know tayevahi by a female. Remember, we learned earlier it's considered lewd. It's considered immoral for uh, two women, but it's not an iser dairaisa. Okay, so interestingly, in Andragonus, we say go go. You, you could marry an Andragonus. We're going to let you marry a woman because b'manavshach. If you're a man, so now you're in a regular Torah marriage, and if you're a woman, there's no there's no biblical transgression. We're not going to allow an Andragonist to marry a man because in case he's a man, now there's Shifcha Zacher. Right? Rabbi Lezer says, Andragonist Chayav and Alav Skila Kizacher. He says an Andragonist um, is going, if, if, uh, even if you have um, uh, um, an Andragonist that has relations with a man, is going to be Chayav Skila, it's going to be Chayav Stoning, Mamish like a Mishkav Zacher. Okay, we're going to consider this to be a a uh, mishkav zachar relationship with an absolute chi of misa. So we have a machlekas in the end of the mishnah between the Tanakama and Rabbi um, and Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says Andragonus is a is a male. It seems Tanakama says an Andragonus can marry a female because what you know what's the worst thing, but not a male. You just can't do it. But he, does, he doesn't go to such an extent. And the Gemara also is going to explain. The ins and outs of this machlekas. Okay, very, very, very interesting Mishnah. Let's give a quick review of what we just what we just accomplished. The Mishnah had told us that if you have a Kohen Sris Chama that marries Yisraelis, she can eat Shuma. It's a regular marriage. Rabbi Yaisi and Reb Shimon say that an Androgynous Kohen who marries a Bas Yisrael also could eat Shuma. Rabbi Yehuda says a Tumtum. Um, should not be the one to do chalitza because like a saris, but an andragonist can marry a woman, not a man. Rebbe Lezer says, andragonist is going to be chi of skila. Now, if you look at each halacha individually, it doesn't necessarily look like there's a direct argument, except that if there's no direct argument, what is each one adding in? So this really is a Mishnah that needs to be, uh, needs to be dwelled upon, and here we go, says the Gemara. Pshita. Pshita. What is it talking about? The first halach of the Mishnah. The first halach of the Mishnah said that a Sris Chama who marries a Yisraelis, she can eat Shuma. Says Gemara, why not? He's a Kohen. This Sris Chama, this natural Saris, is a Kohen. He's married to a woman. So, why wouldn't she be allowed to eat Shuma? Any, any woman who marries a Kohen can eat Shuma. 
Says the Gemara, no, listen to this. Mahu de Temo, I would have thought to say. Mailid Michael, Sha'ina Mailena Michael. Only if it's the type of marriage that you can have children, can she eat? But if it's not possible, you can't eat. Kamashulon, the Tanakama lets us know. Even if it's the type of marriage where she can't eat, she can still eat truma during the marriage. Now let's pause for a minute. Why is this such a big chiddush? What's the big chiddush over here? So the terrorist is like this. Let's let's talk outside for a moment. What what would be the Allah in the following case? You have a woman who marries a kain. And the Kohen dies childless. This woman, is she permitted to keep eating truma? No. Remember? She's a Yisraelis who marries a Kayan. If she doesn't have children and her husband dies, she cannot continue eating truma. So the Hava Amina, what the Gemara would have thought over here is, listen, it seems from that halacha that eating truma in some way completely depends on offspring. Maybe the reason why she's allowed to eat truma when she's married is because there's a chance of offspring. And once the husband dies, where there's no chance of offspring, she can't eat truma anymore. So maybe I would say, even while they're married, if there's no chance of offspring, she can't eat truma. Kamash Mullah, that's not the halacha. As long as she's an acquisition of the kayin, even if it's not a marriage that could lead to future generations, she's still mutter to eat truma. Period. Okay. Then the Mishnah said, Rebbeis, Rebbe Shimon, Aymrim, Andragonis. Yisrael Shimon started, they got onto the halacha of a Kayan Andragonus who marries a Yisrael. It's a valid marriage. She could eat truma. Amar Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish says, we're about to get into another machlaikas between these beloved brother-in-laws. Reish Lakish and Rebekah. So here we go. Amar Reish Lakish. Ma'achila betruma. He can feed her truma. The Kayan Andragonus can feed her truma. Ve'in ma'achila bechazak v'shaik. But she's not allowed to eat kadshim. She cannot eat the, what we call the matnas kahuna, the breast and the thigh of the carbon that the Kohen is permitted to eat. The, he's not allowed to feed that to his wife. Okay. Only the Kohen himself. That's it. Fine. Now, Rabbi Yechidon, however, says, Af No, he's even allowed to eat from the Chazavashayk. Okay. Meaning, Rabbi Yechidon is saying like this. A regular in a regular marriage, a woman is permitted to uh, a woman is permitted to eat whatever her husband is allowed to eat. The concern of Reish Lakish seems to be that she could eat truma, but a higher level of kedusha since lemaisa, her husband's an andragonist to go so to allow her to go so far into the kedusha of kudshim. Nah, you can't allow it because lemaisa there's a suffix. What an andragonist is? There's a chance he's a woman. Arabichan says, no, full, a dragon is full-fledged male. Full-fledged male. And therefore, not only is his wife allowed to eat truma, she can even eat from the chaz v'shay. Says the Gemara, why is he allowing truma and not the chaz v'shay? Because, because chaz v'shay is kachim dairaisa? Well, truma is also dairaisa. Truma and ami dairaisa. So why is Reish Lakish saying, oh, since there's a little bit of a suffix on Dragonus, you know, we're going to allow her to eat Shuma, but we can't go so far to say Chaz of a <laughs> Why is that Why is it any further? This is what the Gemara is clarifying and saying like this. What Reish Lakish is saying is, Truma Bismana Zed, anytime you have something rabbinic, a rabbinic level of Kedusha, because an Andragonus is a suffix, will allow the wife to eat it. But anything that's not a, that, that that's uh, not the rabbanon, something that's the iraisa, 
we're not going to allow the wife of an Andragonist to eat because there's a suffix. And this is classic. Suffix, they're Rabbanon Lakula. Whenever you're in doubt about a rabbinic deal, which Shuma Bezman says rabbinic, will be mekel, will be lenient, and allow the wife to eat. But suffix, the Eraisa Lachumra. Whenever you're in doubt of something biblical, for example, the Chaz of we're going to be machmir. Okay. Says the Gemara, It seems from this answer that when the Beis HaMikdash was around, what was the halacha? Loi. Reish Lakish would have said she cannot eat Shuma, right? When Shuma's is it seems from Reish Lakish, we would not allow her to eat Shuma. Well, at the Tani, in Machil B'chaz V'shaik, this that we said, the Andragon is Kayin, cannot allow his wife to eat the Chazavah, cannot feed his wife the Chazavah Shaik. Lift like Vishibidida. Why doesn't Reish Lakish learn out the halacha from the halacha from this itself? Meaning, Reish Lakish should have said, Truma, you could eat. When do I say that true? But Truma, there are bonum. But Truma, there is a light. But Truma, there is a you cannot. Ask the Gemara an excellent question. According to what we just said, you know the difference between Truma and Chazavashaik? You know why Truma, Reish Lakish, allows the wife to eat and the and the gifts of the Kayan you cannot, because Truma is rabbinic, and Chazav Shaykh isn't. Says the Gemara, why, why do you got to explain Allah like that? Instead, Rishlakish should have said, according to Rishlakish, I'm sorry, the Mishnah should have said, Truma, which is Dirabonon, nowadays, you could feed her. However, Truma in the base, I make this, you cannot feed her because of the Don't even mention Chazav Shaykh. Why you got to give you another case? Within this case itself, you could teach me that. Within Truma itself, you could teach me that. Allah. Answer the Gemara, how my skin on here? What are we dealing with? Keshuhu Machila. As far as the marriage, he says the focus of our Mishnah is really focusing on the marriage. Meaning, Machila Bechuma Bezmana Zedrabon. When an Andragonist marries a woman, what, where does that get her? So it gets her, what does that entitle her to? It gets her to a truma bezman bezman but it does not allow her to eat truma at the time where they were having the chazav shaykh in the base of mikdash. And even truma drabonon in the times of the base of mikdash, we would not allow her to eat because she may come to eat truma dairaisa. The Gemara is answering a beautiful answer, and the Gemara is saying like this Our question was, why do you got to come on to chazav shaykh? Why do you got to come on to Chaz Shaikh in order to teach me a case of Daraisa? Just mention Shuma Daraisa. Twitch Gabar is answering, we really are talking about Shuma Daraisa. But the way that we're talking about Shuma Daraisa is mentioning the Chaz Shaikh. Because when was Shuma Daraisa? In the times of the Beis HaMikdash where you had the Chaz Shaikh. So mentioning the Chaz Shaikh is letting me know that's the difference between Shuma Darabon and Shuma Daraisa. Okay. Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan says, Af machi de b'chaz v'shaik. Rabbi Yechanan says, you could eat truma and chaz v'shaik. Amalei Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan says to his beloved brother-in-law, Reish Lakish, me sabbat shumas man is at the Rabbanon. You'd talk a whole truma nowadays, the Rabbanon. Amalei, Rabbi Yechanan says, you better believe it. He's not backing down from Rabbi Yechanan. He says, in, yes, it is. Sha'ani, Sha'ani, because I learned, eagle be'igulim oil. Okay, here we go. Now is when we're shifting over to the sugya of Bittel. Says Reish Lakish, I hold that eagle, eagle literally means round. Now we know from, of Metziah and other places, eagle Vela are round-pressed fig cakes. Okay? She so says, round-pressed fig cakes, Hevra, for us, 
we're going to call it chocolate cake. Why? Why am I calling it chocolate cake? Because it's a common cake. Back then, round pressed fig cakes were the common shape and type of cake that whenever you're going to have cake served, that was it. It was a round pressed fig cake. Nowadays, if you're going to a bake-off, you could be guaranteed there's going to be chocolate cake there. Okay? That's, that's just common. That's, that's what it is. That's the flavor, all right? So round press fig cakes for then, we're going to call it chocolate cake for now. Fine. So be it as it may, says Reish Lakish. Here's the halacha. He says, if you have a round pressed fig cake of truma that gets mixed up at a bake sale with other round pressed fig cakes that are not truma, it's buckle. You can eat all the cakes. Nowadays, no base on Mikdash. That's the opinion of Reish Lakish. He holds like the Brisa, which says, if you have a chocolate cake of Truma that gets mixed into 50 chocolate, uh, 60 chocolate cakes, you can eat all them. Now here's the problem. Real biblical Truma is not nullified. It's much harder to nullify it. Okay? We're going to get into why. Some things could be nullified. A fig cake will, fig slash chocolate cake, will not be nullified. Be it as it may, we're now going to shift into this conversation of what was able to nullify something and, and it'll be practical for nowadays as well. Be it as it may, says Reish Lakish, since nowadays truma fig cakes would be nullified, it must be rabbinic. Because if it was biblical, it's not going to be nullified. So that's why he's arguing on Rebbechen and he says, Shuma nowadays is the Rabban. Okay, that's why I'm arguing on you, Rebbechen. Fine. Omar Lay, go ahead. Why are we bringing this up right now? Oh, because we got onto a topic where in order to understand our Mishnah of why an Andragonist is allowed to feed his wife Shuma, Reish Lakish had said, that's talking about Shuma nowadays, which is the Rabbanan. It's not talking about truma in the times of the Beis Hamikdash. To which Rabbi Yechanan says, truma nowadays isn't the Rabbanan. And Reish Lakish is saying, you better believe it is, because I hold like the Brisa which says that a round pressed fig cake of truma could be nullified. If it's nullified, it must be the Rabbanan. Because a biblical truma is not nullified in such a case. So Reish Lakish is explaining why he says that the case of our Mishnah, that Nadraganus can feed his wife Truma, means only rabbinic Truma. And he's proving there's such a thing. He's proving there's such a thing. How's he proving it? Because you have a case where these cakes could be nullified. It's got to be rabbinic if it's nullified. Okay? All right. Now, Rabbi Yechanan's going to respond with a very interesting halacha. Let's read Rabbi Echanan's words and then we're going to pause and focus on this because this has practical ramifications for nullification nowadays. How things are nullified nowadays. So here we go. Amar le, Rabbi Echanan says to Reish Lakish, V'halai ani shayna chaticha b'chatichas ayla. I learned that a chaticha, a piece of meat, b'chatichos, that gets mixed into other meats. So I have meat that I'm not allowed to eat. That gets mixed in. That says a slice of tummy meat. Tummy meat, that's right. So it's hectish. 
I have a piece of tummy meat that's hectish, I'm not allowed to eat it. It gets mixed in to tahar meat that I'm allowed to eat. The halacha is ayla. Ayla means it's bottle. It went up. It's nullified. Now, one second. Meat that... Carbon uh, uh, meat that became tummy. Is that a biblical story or a rabbinical story? Biblical. Biblical. Sarbiachan says to Reish Lakish, brother-in-law, step back. You want to say that if there's ever nullification, it's got to be rabbinic. That's not true. Because I'll show you a case of nullification that's biblical. Even biblical things can be nullified. Because if you have a piece of tummy meat from a carbon that gets mixed into tar meat of a carbon, it's nullified. And that's a biblical deal. So you see, just because something's nullified doesn't make it rabbinic. And if it doesn't make it rabbinic, you have no proof that the case of the Mishnah is dealing with Chuma Bismanazeh. Because even if it's not, your whole proof is that, oh, it's nullified. Well, shkoyach. Even biblical things could be nullified. Mi savrit, kol shadarkini, mani shaninu. Do you take a hold? Anything that's commonly counted is darkly mani shaninu, that that's the case of our Mishnah. No, what we learned is something which is only counted is going to be not able to be nullified. Okay. Now, before we explain... This line, let, we, got, we got to talk outside for two minutes. Here we go. Here we go. Listen closely. Listen closely. We're, we're going to start from the basics. All right? A piece of cheese falls into your chalant. Are you allowed to eat the chalant? What's the terence? No? It's, it's the proportion. Proportion. If it's bottle b'shishim, you could eat the chalant. Some people hold it's a mitzvah to eat the chalant. You should davke eat the chalant. Chasidim are makbid on that, I heard. To show that this is the halacha. You, should, you shouldn't even be, be scared to do that. No, it's pleasure. But let me ask you a question. Ready? What happens if cheese falls into chalant? There's 60 times the chalant of the cheese, but you can see the cheese. Are you allowed to eat it? No. Why not? You, you can't say it's not there. That's right. Beautiful. When you mama see the item, you can't say it's not there. Beautiful. Now, that logic extends even in the following case. And the way it's expressed is S Shadarko Limonos. The word monos is from the word minion. What's a minion? Accounting of men. Something that is usually counted. For example, one. One. This is one cup. I'm holding something one. When you purchase sesame seeds, how many sesame seeds are you purchasing? No clue. Right? You have no clue. You know what you're purchasing? Ounces. So are sesame seeds counted? No. Therefore, sesame seeds can be nullified. Because it doesn't, it has no chashivas on its own. This can extend possibly, as we're going to see, to an egg. What do you mean it has no chashivas? 
uh, uh, one sesame seed has no chashivas. It's only sold in in jars. If you see uh, ten sesame seeds all one pile in the chone, what's that? That's fine. You you could take it out. However, but let's say you don't see it. You you could take it out, or you just you could eat it. Yeah, no, yes, you could eat it. If you don't see it, you could eat it. No, if you see ten of them all together. Yeah. So if you see it, you can't you can't say it's bottle because you see it. Yeah. But let's say I don't see it anymore. Are sesame seeds bottle? Okay. You tell me. Are sesame seeds bottle? So so different than anything else. Okay. Well, we'll see. There are things that's different, and here's here's an example. Something that's darko limanos. Things that are sold individually cannot be bottle. It's even if you don't say it's too chashuv. Things that are sold individually retain their chashivas automatically, and you cannot say it's bottle. So here, so for example, for example, let's go with a let's go with a case of a um, uh, a, a case that's I'm gonna, you know let's go with a case that's not so clear. Not so clear. A cupcake. You have a cupcake of truma that gets put into a 12-pack of cupcakes to be sold in the bakery. And I don't know which cupcake is truma among the 12. I don't know. So here's the deal. Can we say it's nullified? So, if you say that a cupcake is always sold by the dozen, then the cupcake could be nullified. It's not considered a Dover Sheba Minion. It's never counted on its own. It's like an egg. You don't buy a single egg, you buy a dozen eggs. Therefore, an egg is not a Dover Sheba Minion. It's never counted on its own. And therefore, it could be nullified. But something that is always sold individually by a unit, that cannot be nullified. Okay? It's going to retain its chashivas. You cannot tell me it's bottle. Now, here's where it gets gray. What about a bottle of beer? Or even a cupcake, possibly. Sometimes it's sold individually. Sometimes it's sold by a six-pack or a 12-pack. Is that considered a Dover Sheba Minion that's not capable of being nullified or not? Maybe it is capable because oftentimes it's sold by number. You hear, the sh- you hear what's going on here? Okay, so here we go. This, now let's reread Rabbi Echenon's statement. I'm going to back up two lines over here. It says Rabbi Echenon to Reish Lakish the following. Don't think that pressed fig cakes are nullified because they're dirabbanan. No. Says Rabbi Yechanan again. Omar Leh. Rabbi Yechanan says to him. See where I am? The eight, seven, eight lines to the bottom. Vahalai. He says, Vahalai. Ein shayna. Ein shayna chaticha b'chatichas ayla. We learned that a slice of tamay carbon that gets mixed in with tahar carbon can even become bottle. Even though it's Daraisa. Now, me sovereign, says Rabbi Echen, listen closely. Do you think, that our Mishnah means anything 
which is usually sold by the number, cannot become bottle? No. That's not the halacha. Things that are usually sold by the number could become bottle. Rather, you know what the Mishnah means? Our Mishnah says, when it's only sold individually, you walk into the store, and you say, I want a cupcake. It's a dollar. And they say, how many you want? Say, I want 12. You say, that's $12, because you bought 12 cupcakes. We're selling it only individually. Says Rabbi Echanan, that's when something's not capable of being bottled. See, here's what Rabbi Echanan is saying to Reish Lakish. Let's take a step back and get the whole picture. You, Reish Lakish, think the reason why there's bittel, buy the round press fig cakes, is because of their abundant. No. I'll tell you why there's bittel. There's bittel on the round press fig cakes because sometimes round press fig cakes are sold by the dozen. And therefore, even in the case of a Daraisa, there will be bittel. There's bittel on things that are sold sometimes by number. The only times there's no bittel is when it's sold only individually. And that's not true by round press. Apparently, round press fig cakes are so common. That's why I started out saying it's like nowadays chocolate. People buy more than one. You're not buying just for yourself. You're going to want to share the love. You want to, you want to spread the chocolate around, right? You want to share with others. You want to spread the round press fig cakes. That's why there's bittel. Not because they're abonan, but because... Uh, since they're not only sold individually, there's bittel even their rice. Okay. Now says the Gemara, Mahi, what's this whole machleka? So here we go. Chevra, get ready for a beautiful conversation. We just really gave an overview of it. It's not going to get complicated of how nullification works. Says, says the Gemara, the Tanan. We learned in, in a Mishnah. A person has fenugreek. Okay. Fenugreek, some people have it on uh, at the Roshana Seder. It's a type of kidney, it's a type of bean. And um, it was klayim, it was planted with other things. It's forbidden to benefit from. So, the is yidolku. Okay, yidolku means you burn it. Nisarvu bacheres, because you're not allowed to benefit from this klayim, right? It's like shotness. You're not allowed to benefit from it. Now, what happens if instead of burning it, nisarvu bacheres, these beans, this fenugreek, we're going to call it, gets mixed up with other bundles of fenugreek. And now I don't know where it is. So I have a problem. I've got something I'm forbidden to, um, something I'm um, not allowed to benefit from. And it's uh, something I'm not allowed to benefit from. And it's still over here. Says the Gemara, Kulon Yidoku. You got to burn everything. You're not going to say that it is bubble. Divir Amer is a bin of Amer. No. Yalu Bechamasayim. You need 200 times. It could be nullified, but only in 200. Shahi Rameir, because Rameir says, Rameir, who was, who was strict, and said there's no bitl, he holds. Anything that's usually counted individually, Mekadesh makes everything Kadosh. Kadosh over here means separated. You're not allowed to benefit from the entire thing. The Chum who argue on him, and they say it's bottled in 200. They say, There's only six things that are going to ruin anything. They're going to ruin anything that, that uh, it gets mixed into. Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva says, Shiva, it's seven. And Elohim, here's the list. Okay? A Perach. Nuts that are called parach. Okay, parach nuts. Parach, uh, uh, Rashi tells us, is the name of a city. So nuts from uh, the name of the city called parach. 
and pomegranates from the city called Badon, the Chofetrodon, and these special uh, stalks of beets that needed to be cooked multiple times, the Kolchei Kruv, and, uh, and uh, growths of cabbage, Udalasiavonis, and melons that come from Greece. Rabbi Kiva Maisif, Rabbi Kiva added Afki Karishabalabayas, even homemade bread. Homemade, homemade bread, which is unique and individualized, people's challah also, um, uh, uh, also are included on the list. Haru'uyin li arla, anything that are capable of being arla, arla. Okay? Anything, if these things are possibly arla and they get mixed into something else, so the, everything becomes arla. The kaliya karem, kaliya karem. says, Look at this list. This list is talking about things that are always sold only individually, and that's why it can, it's not nullified. So only when it's only sold individually is, is when it's not nullified. Rishlakish argues, Rishlakish says, no. Don't look at this list and say it has to only be sold uh, one at a time. Yeah, yeah you read this mission to say as long as the derech is to, uh, as long as the derech is to be sold Individually, that is enough to tell me. Uh, that, that's enough to tell me that it's, it's not bottle. Okay, fine. So that's the background which led to the machlaikas between Rabbi Yechon and Rish Lakish. Now look at the ramifications of this. The ramifications are that Rish Lakish ultimately is, is because of his understanding of this b'risa, has to say that the reason why there's nullification in our Mishnah is because of rabbinic. While Rabbi Yechonin is going to say no, there, there could even be nullification on biblical. Fine. Says the Gemara, let's get into this b'risa. You know, in the b'risa we mentioned that if a piece of tummy meat of the carbon gets mixed into tahar meat, so the whole thing's going to become a problem. My chaticha, what is, what is this piece of meat? The tani we learned in the b'risa. Chaticha shal chatas tamei. If you have a piece of meat from a chatas tamei, shenis arva b'meya chaticha shal chatas tahir. It gets mixed into a hundred pieces of meat. That's fine. It's tar. V'chein and similarly, prusa shal lechem aponim tamei. A piece of a lechem aponim that became dummy. Shenis arva b'meya prusa lechem aponim tahiris. The halacha is taale. It's fine. It's nullified in a hundred. Rebuda and Rebuda says loy taale. It is not fine. It is not nullified. It's not nullified. Avachadicha shal chatas tahir. Let's say you have a piece of meat from. That's tahar. So here, there's nothing tummy. But rather, I have something that belongs to hektish, one piece that belongs to hektish, and it's getting mixed into chulin. That doesn't need to be kept to the same standards. Everybody will agree, it does not become nullified. It does not become nullified. The halacha is, the entire mixture is going to be a problem. Entire mixture is going to be a problem. Katani Mias, bottom line is we're learning Reisha Tala. At the beginning of the Mishnah, we said that when you have Tomei Chatas that gets mixed into Tar Chatas, it is nullified. Now, one second. Hold on. If it's nullified, um, how is Reish Lakish going to figure this out? Because Reish Lakish says. That if at times it's sold individually, you can't have bittel. So why over here is there bittel? I'll tell you why. It's not sold anymore because that piece of meat is now nimucha means it started to uh, it's it started to fall apart. Himuach literally means to spoil. Okay, 
But, I mean, but it, here it's referring to falling apart, meaning you can't identify it anymore. And once it's not identifiable, so it's not even, uh, it's, it's not even counted at times. Nobody's going to sell this individually in the current state. Says Gemara, Ihachi, my time at Rabbi Yehuda. If that's talk of the case, where, the, where it was, Nimuach, what is the reason for Rabbi Yehuda who says that it's not bottle? It's Nimuach, it fell apart. If it fell apart, why isn't it bottle? Says the Gemara, last step for today, top of tomorrow's daf, Rabbi Yehuda letamei, Rabbi Yehuda is consistent with his own reasoning that it's bottle, you know, that it's not bottle, even though, even though it fell apart. Even though the meat fell apart, it's not bottle. You know why? To Omar, he says, min b'minai enai bottle, period. A species within its own species is not bottle. If you have a piece of meat that started to fall apart in other pieces of meat, even if you can't identify it, you cannot say it's bottle. Why? Why? The logic here is beautiful. You know why? Until this piece of meat that fell apart was here, I had eight pounds of meat. If you were to weigh it now, it's going to be eight pounds and three ounces. If you were to include the, 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 the piece of meat that fell off, it's now going to weigh out at eight pounds and three ounces of this meat. How can you tell me it's not here? Let me give you a better example to, to explain this. And it has to do with Hochish Shabbos. Fascinating halacha. You ready for this? Listen to this. It's great. If somebody is gushing blood, somebody's gushing blood on Shabbos, okay? The, we're not talking about where there's a sakana. Whatever. There's a lot of blood. There's blood on the floor. Grape juice spill. I don't know. Something red. Jello. And you have an option to clean it up with a red towel or a white towel. Which towel should you use on Shabbos? So a lot of people, what, what would you say? Red one. Why? It's Excellent. Excellent. So most people are going to say use the red one. Why? Because if you use the white one, it's, you're going to be like, you're going to be coloring it. You're going to be dyeing Tseveya on Shabbos, right? Tseveya on Shabbos. That's what most of us would say. However, the Allah is not like that. The Allah is you should davka use the white towel. Not the red one. Why? See, here we go. Because if you have a white towel, do you want it to get blood on it? Do you want it to be red? No, it's ruining your white towel. The problem of tzeveya is to dye something in a constructive way. For me to use my white towel on this red spill is actually going to be ruining my towel. It's kilkul, which is better for Shabbos. But if I use my red towel, you know what's going to happen to my red towel? It's going to, it's going to get redder. It's going to become better. I don't mind that, it, that, that the color is getting strengthened. And that might be a bigger problem of tzeveya. Yichab? Yeah? Fascinating, right? Because again, you want to go, you want to deal with anything that's going to be possibly constructive, you want to stay away from. A red towel is going to gain by having the red spill. A white towel is going to be ruined. So you're supposed to use the white towel on Shabbos. Allah Chalamaisa. Says Rebuta like this. Rebuta says, if I have meat, that's tummy. Or tahar. Either way. And uh, meat that is Tahar, a whole bunch of meat, and a piece of tummy meat falls in. I don't care if it started to, if it started to ruin and, and that, that meat that's tummy 
started to fall apart. Because you know why? The bottom line is, I now have a little bit more meat. Don't tell me it's buttle. Before it was 8 pounds of meat, now it's 9 pounds of meat. It was 99 pounds of meat, now it's 100 pounds. If you were to weigh the meat, it's all meat. It's not buttle. It's like the case of the towel, the red towel. It just got redder. You just added, you just, you just added more to what was originally there. If I, if it's mimbisha enaimino, if it's something that's totally different and it's not counted the same way, it's not weighed the same way, and now it falls apart, so then it's bottle. But when something is within its own species and you can't find it, don't tell me it's not there because you still have more of that entity. So it's got you. It's even not bottle. Even though you can't identify it. Correct. Excellent. That's the chiddush of Rabbi Yehuda. Even if I don't know exactly which piece it is, but can I state? With, I, can I say with, with confidence, the meat's not there. Oh, really? Really? Huh? Well, guess what? You see a hundred pieces. <laughs> you have all this meat. Don't tell me it's not there. It certainly is there. You just don't know which one. So what's the whole union of um, Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that Bittal B'Shishim doesn't work. You're right. According to Rabbi Yehuda... That's right. Only That's right. This whole chiddush over here is only when it's a piece within its own pieces. When it's min b'minai, then we're going to say there's more of what you had. But min b'she'enai minai, then we're going to say it's takabatul. For sure. Rabbi Yehuda will agree with that. It's min b'minai that he's being strict on because he says, don't tell me it's not there. When if you were to look at this now, I have, a, I have more meat than I had before. So don't tell me it's not there. That's the logic of Rabbi Yehuda. Bezim will pick up from here tomorrow. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, Chavrev. Wonderful Shabbos, everybody.